Time to welcome in Lizanne Saunders, Chief Investment Strategist at Schwab Center for Financial Research. Lizanne, so good to have you here. Want to start with your, you. your market outlook at this point. It's been this tug of war between the bulls and the bears this week. Looks like the bulls may prevail, at least if uh, pre-market trading showing anything. But just in terms of uh, where is this market headed, given the, the headwinds and possibly a, a more aggressive Fed in the future? So I, I think the, the rally was impressive uh, on some basic statistics. But if you look at the areas that it did fairly well, it was a lot of, I think, bottom fishing. Um, I, I think some technical trivers probably driving some of the, the algos and the quant-driven strategies, buying some of the most beaten up stocks. There was a bit of a lower quality theme to it. And it appears like a lot of the buying pressure was due to short covering, given the weakness that preceded it. So I don't know that it resembles the kind of really robust rally that you tend to see as markers of a true bottom. I think we're still at the mercy in the very short term of Russia-Ukraine headlines. We see that on a day-to-day -day basis, on an intraday basis. And we're only at the beginning of this uh, new Fed cycle. And I think given the, the inflation trajectory from here, I, I think the Fed is going to have to get fairly aggressive to get uh, less behind the curve than they are right now. And I'm not sure that's yet fully baked into the market. All right, so possibly just a bounce rather than a bottom. But it went, when it comes to the Fed, how likely will it be to achieve that soft landing that it's really attempting for without pushing this economy into a recession? What are you expecting? Soft landings are are never easy, even in a normal environment with the out, without the exogenous factors like a pandemic and now a war between Russia and Ukraine. I mean, it, it's happened. We had a soft landing in the mid 60s after a tightening cycle in the mid 80s, again in the mid 90s. But I think it's uh, maybe a bit trickier in this environment, given that inflation is so much more elevated than in those periods of times. And already we've had the counter cyclical inflation force or the um, cost push inflation force where prices have gotten so high that it's put downward pressure on demand and in turn growth to some degree. So the, the Fed tightening into what is already expected to be a slow quarter uh, is somewhat unprecedented. It doesn't mean it's not possible, but we, we should at least be kind of dusting off the, the recession playbook or the recession uh, che checklist at this stage of the game. Do you think that the Fed will actually have a meaningful impact on inflation this year? Do you think that come year end, we'll be saying, oh, remember when inflation was that high and look, it's back to target now? Well, I don't think we get back to target anytime soon to the extent you're still considering 2% target. I mean, we've got the base effects that should start to benefit year over year numbers, at least in core inflation because of the comps to last year going against when we initially saw the inflation surge. No, the, the Fed can't do anything to directly impact energy prices or food prices, especially as it relates to the Russia-Ukraine war. But they, they can go a long way in changing expectations about the future, either for the economy broadly or inflation specifically. So their words sometimes even can have the effect of changing inflation expectations. And then ultimately, they can have the effect of, of waning in aggregate demand, which in turn could feed lower inflation. But in the near term, they're, they're simply play, playing catch up. And uh, to, to the point of your question, no, 
very near term, there's nothing that the Fed can do directly to combat either the supply chain disruption aspects to uh, inflation or the war-related surge in energy and food. So what's the best investment strategy right now, given the fact that you're saying we should dust off that recession playbook? We actually recently, um, what I would call neutralized our tactical recommendations, both at the broad asset class level as well as the sector level, just feeling like um, even if you're more trading oriented, it's, it's really difficult to, whether it's at the sector level, whether it's at the broad asset class level, to, to make a bet with any kind of confidence. So we think the best strategy in this environment is to sort of you know hover close to your strategic asset allocations across the broad asset classes and not make outsized uh, sector bets. Take advantage of the diversification benefits associated with that. But then the added recommendation we put out there is for um, investors that might have a rebalancing strategy that's driven more by the calendar. So maybe they rebalance on an annual basis or a quarterly basis to maybe consider more portfolio-based rebalancing. Let volatility work in your favor by stepping up the pace of rebalancing and, and adding into weakness and trimming into strength and staying in gear that way versus trying to make short-term bets on where uh, short-term leadership is going to reside. You were talking about some dip buying likely being the cause of, of the rally that we did see. What do you need to see in terms of what size pullback, I guess, do you need to see or in terms of uh, fundamentals in this market to actually want to start getting in and buying some of those dips, especially maybe with some of the, the growth stocks? Well, it depends on who you are as an investor. This whole notion that there's some uh, point in time that makes sense for everybody to buy the dip we don't know what investor we're talking about. If, if, if you're a much more risk tolerant investor, I would say dips in general, um, you can use as an opportunity to add into weakness. But if you're a less risk tolerant investor that really can't afford to lose a lot of principal, is maybe living on the income associated with their portfolio, that's a very different scenario. So I, I could have an incredibly high conviction of what I think the market is going to do in the short term, but what I would tell different extremes of investors on the risk spectrum are two entirely different things. And I think we cookie cutter it way too much, um, especially in financial media, as if there's some you know, bell that's wrong, this is the time to get back in. It really depends on who you are as an investor. Valuations have come in courtesy of the strength in earnings and also the recent weakness in the market, but they're not cheap by any means. Speculation, I think, has been curbed in some of the really low quality, high risk segments of the market, like not profitable tech and the SPACs, and I don't expect them to come back. In terms of growth stocks, we also have to define what you're talking about. They're sort of the classic sector-based definitions of tech stocks, communication services, um, consumer discretionary, because they dominate the classic growth indexes, be it S&P or, uh, or Russell. But then there's the, the factor of growth, the characteristic of growth. And the same thing can be said for value. And I think in this environment, you want to take a bit of a hybrid approach. You want to look for reasonable value, lowercase v. That doesn't mean just limit yourself to within the value indexes or the value sectors. Value has been working as a factor even in a sector like tech. So you can you can put a value hat on 
and also get the benefit of growth by screening for or looking for those hybrid characteristics with kind of a quality wrapper. And I think the nuances of that sometimes get lost in the more simplistic growth versus uh, value debate. Lizanne, I saw your tweet this morning about how badly bonds have been performing. Just in terms of portfolio allocation, equities, are, are they still the best place to be? And what role should cash play, given that it's an inflationary environment? Well, again, the you know how much equity exposure an investor should have depends on who the investor is. Is it, is it a young, um, very risk-tolerant investor that doesn't need the money for the next 40 years? Uh, I think you want to have a decent amount of exposure to equities. Are you a 75-year-old retired investor that can't afford to lose any principal and needs to live on the income associated with their portfolio? That's a very different picture. Now, yes, in this recent period with the sell-off, uh, especially so far this year, in bonds, that's in the aggregate not acting as maybe the typical ballast uh, against the stock market. We've had the, the, the better returns in the stock market. I still think diversification across asset classes, and maybe you can pick up some diversification benefits aside from equities in areas like commodities, where maybe bonds had act as, acted as that ballast in the past. Commodities is a bit more of a hedge relative to the inflation uh, picture that we're looking at, but ultimately, the exposure to asset classes, the level of that exposure, how you navigate these more volatile period of times has less to do with mine or anybody else's forecast of what markets are going to do, but your own um, uh, circumstances. And it, like I said, it's I think there's sometimes too quick of a, of a numerical answer to a question like that as if it applies to every investor, regardless of where they sit on the risk spectrum. No one-size-fits-all approach. Lizanne Saunders, Chief Investment Strategist, Schwab Center for Financial Research. Really appreciate your insights and for breaking it all down for us. Thanks so much. Thanks. Good to see you.